We're in John 15. John 15. And I want to take uh, some time just to review here. Um, uh, so far, we've looked at abiding in His pleasure. Or, oops, His. Well, that's what we're going to look at tonight. Review. Abiding in His presence. There we go. John 15 is a personal invitation to believers from Jesus Christ to abide with Him daily. Now, we saw the supremacy of Jesus Christ, the one who makes this invitation. He said, I am the true vine. And we are the branches, and we're to abide in Him. We're to recognize God's amazing love and find an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're abiding in His presence. Secondly, we looked at abiding in His purpose. Now, the relationship with Jesus Christ involves living for an eternal, uh, eternal purpose, uh, living with eternity in view. Uh, so sometimes we don't do that, do we? We just kind of look at, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? Or what, what did I, you know, what did I go through today? Well, we need to have a, a, a viewpoint of looking uh, at eternity and having our life uh, in line with His purpose, and that will bring forth much fruit for the glory of God. So abiding in His presence, abiding in His purpose, abiding in His purging. Now, we don't like purging because that means uh, we may have to, have some surgery, yeah. some spiritual surgery. You don't like surgery. Uh, but uh, if we're going to grow, bear fruit, there must be a time of purging. It's that way in growing fruit trees, and it's that way in the Christian life as well. God purges our lives by His grace, and He does it through His Word, through prayer, and through trials. As we go through the trials of life, uh, his promises should strengthen us. His grace uh, will give us that help that we need during that time of purging. And he promises more abundant blessings and fruitfulness after the purging. So abiding in his purging. And then we talked about abiding in prayer. Throughout the scriptures, Christ indicates his deep desire for us to talk to him through prayer. And he promises to help us in a time of need. Uh, yet many Christians don't seek that help. They don't uh, spend much time in prayer. They don't go to God in prayer unless they're in that time of purging. Then, oh yeah, I've got to pray now because, you know, life is difficult. So. But we need to pray on a daily basis and keep uh, talking to God. And we talked about how God defines prayer, how to pray effectively how God responds to the prayer life of an abiding Christian. And then we talked about abiding in his precepts. God's word should be the foundation and guide in our walk with Christ. Abiding in him involves understanding. It involves obeying his precepts. And as we submit to God's word, we accomplish three primary goals. We prove our love to God. Uh, we gain spiritual assurance in our hearts, and we promote a loving spirit in the body of Christ. And so we're to uh, embrace and obey the commandments of Christ as we abide in him. So that's a little bit of a review of what we've looked at thus far in this series of 
uh, studies on abiding in Christ. Tonight we're going to look at abiding in his pleasure. Uh, when Harry Truman became president, he worried about losing touch with common everyday Americans. So he would often go out and be among them. Probably wouldn't uh, uh, do that today as much as he did back then, but one evening he decided he was going to stroll down to Memorial Bridge on the Potomac River. And while he was there, he became very curious about the mechanism that raised and lowered the middle span of that bridge. And he made his way across the catwalks and through the inner workings of the bridge, and suddenly he, became, he came upon the bridge tender. And he, uh, the bridge tender was sitting there eating his supper out of a tin bucket. And uh, the man showed absolutely no surprise when he looked up and saw the best known and most powerful man in the world. He just swallowed his food, wiped his mouth, smiled, and said, You know, Mr. President, I was just thinking about you. Well, it was a greeting that President Truman loved to hear, and he never forgot it. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful when Jesus Christ appears in the clouds, we could say, You know, Lord, I was just thinking about you. You can, if you discover the great pleasure and joy of abiding in Christ. Now the relationship is one of great joy and spiritual pleasure. Now there's no doubt the message that Jesus, uh, this message was on the hearts and minds of his disciples as they made their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Our Lord shared just a sobering message. In John 14, he told them, uh, he was soon to depart, and yet assured them of a future return. He also promised to send them a comforter, the Holy Spirit. And while the thought of a comforter was wonderful, I'm sure in the minds of the disciples, it was probably kind of hard to understand, to comprehend exactly just what that comforter would be, and how real it would be to them. Well, in John 15... Then Jesus again turned to his disciples. He told them of his desire that they abide in him and bear much fruit. And all that Jesus shared in these two chapters was very serious in nature when you consider that the disciples were relatively new Christians, weren't they? Now, they hadn't known the Lord, as we think of knowing the Lord, uh, very long. And uh, so as uh, Jesus was preparing them for his journey to Calvary. And he shared his burden, and I can almost sense the responsibility the disciples must have felt as Jesus communicated his soon coming death. Now, if you notice here in John 15 and verse 11, he says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Jesus indicated to his disciples that everything he had been telling them, what was very serious in nature, was for their joy, and it would be full. Jesus wanted them to have abundant joy. And a, a believer, a Christian who abides in Jesus Christ, will abide in his pleasure and know the joy of the Lord. Christianity should not be a duty Although there is responsibilities, there are duties, 
But we shouldn't look at it as a duty, but as a delight. This is what Jesus wants for us today, tonight. He gives us a Bible. Yes, it's full of commandments. And not so that our lives will be full of drudgery or, boy, I have to keep that you know, commandment. Oh, I've got to keep that commandment. No, Jesus gives us these commandments so that our joy might be full. And so I want you to notice, first of all, the conditions of joy. In verse 11, he says, These things have I spoken unto you. These things have I spoken unto you. Once again, we see that if we're going to have joy as a child of God, we need to listen to the word of God. Jesus speaks, speaks words of joy in this passage that he expects us to hear and to receive. And if we do not listen to the words of the Lord, we cannot experience true joy in the Christian life. It was Charles Spurgeon, uh, that great English preacher, said his objective was not only that we know the truth, but we would have joy in the truth. Uh, Jesus does not want us to come to church to gather truth intellectually, just to know some facts and some, some things that, uh, uh, you know, uh, ammunition, so to speak. But uh, he wants us to come to church to gather truth in the sense that we can have joy in our hearts because of the truth that we learn. This is what Jesus meant when he said, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth of God's word brings freedom and joy into the heart of a Christian. And I have no doubt that God speaks to us through his word. And the question today is not, is God still speaking to men? The question is, are we listening to God? Jesus is speaking, are we listening? Sometimes we listen to everything but the words of Jesus. Uh, the world is speaking to us through media, social media, all kinds of news uh, reports and different things. The world is bombarding us with all kinds of, uh, of messages. People are speaking to us through personal experience. Well, whom, to whom do we listen? Now, if you're depending upon people or circumstances for your joy, uh, you'll have not, you have not learned the truth of abiding in His, that is, Christ's pleasure. Abiding in His pleasure begins when we listen to the words of Jesus. We need Jesus seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So we need to, first of all, uh, listen to the Word of God because He wants us to have joy. And so as we, uh, in talking about listening to the words of God, we need to hear the Word of God. Uh, again, with hearing, believing, and obeying, the words of God. I must act upon what Jesus is saying. I must apply what Jesus is saying. The question is not, do you believe Philippians 4.4? 4? Does anybody know Philippians 4.4? 4? Starts out with the word rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Now, it's not, do you believe it? But the question is, do you rejoice in the Lord? Are you rejoicing in the Lord? And if you hear the word of God and you believe it and you obey it, I believe there will be a rejoicing in your heart, in your life. And then if you hear the word of God, you need to respond to the word. 
God is sovereign. He knows every decision we're going to make before we ever make it. But we need to realize that God has given us a free will. I must make the decision. Habakkuk said in Habakkuk 3:17 and 18, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk was saying, I don't care what I lose. I don't care if I lose all my money, all my flocks, all my crops. I am still determined to rejoice in God and in the joy of my salvation. Now you find the word joy mentioned at least 19 times in the book of Philippians. And joy is more than just happiness. There's a lot of people that think they're happy, but they're really not. But happiness and joy is a choice. You cannot depend upon your circumstances. You can't depend upon your job, your health, your friends. Got some friends? I hope you have a friend or two. You can't depend upon them for your joy. Uh, You can't even uh, depend upon your church for joy. Uh, you must decide that you're going to find joy. It's going to find you're going to find it in the Word of God because the Word of God never changes. The conditions for joy are quite simple: hear the Word of God, believe it, and obey it. It's our choice. So those are the conditions. Secondly, the constancy of joy. And again, here's uh, Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, as long as I have the mind of Christ through the word of God, there's going to be joy in my life. As long as I'm abiding in the Lord daily, all the fear and dread of, of life fades away. So his, first of all, his joy remains as we focus on his word. James said, uh, James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And one of the reasons that many Christians struggle with consistent joy is a lack of stability and a double-mindedness. Uh, we're up one day and down the next. We're kind of like a roller coaster. Our highs and our lows are varied. Rather than anchoring our hearts to the truth and letting God's word give us stability, we let our emotions dictate our attitude towards spiritual things. So his joy remains as we focus on his word. Secondly, his joy prevails over any heartache. In one farming area of the country, uh, there was not a great supply of water. Water had to be hauled in by truck. One day, two fellows took their tanker truck to town, get supply of water for their farm, and on the way to get the water, they stopped at Quick Trip because they were open. They're going to be open tomorrow, okay? So they can stop. They stopped at Quick Trip, and they got something to eat. They got to their destination. They backed the water the truck up under the spout. They aligned it with the opening at the top of the truck and released the valve. All they had to do was wait for the tank to fill up 
with water and they could be on their way. They walked around the front of the truck. They sat up on, on the front bumper and pulled out Snicker bars and Dr. Peppers and, and all kinds of snacks. It was a beautiful day. The weather was perfect. All they had to do was wait. Several minutes passed by and when they noticed a pool of water forming around their feet. They jumped up, they saw, uh, turned around and saw a pond engulfing their truck. Somehow they had been not, not been careful to pull the truck under the spout correctly and the water was going everywhere except into the tank. Hundreds of gallons of water had missed the mark. The water was free. All they had to do was get their truck lined up. Instead, hundreds of gallons of water were wasted. And the reason many Christians never experience joy is not because Jesus has a supply problem. He has all the joy you would ever want. And the best part, it's free. The problem is we forget to align ourselves with his word. There are times we need to pull up and say, Lord, if there's any sin blocking your joy, remove it. I want my tank to be perfectly in alignment to receive the water of the word. I want my life to be in a position to receive your joy. Jesus said that my joy might remain in you. His joy can prevail over any heartache on this earth because his joy is based upon his resurrection. I think the greatest illustration of this truth is found in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 where it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, while he was hanging on the cross, Jesus suffered the most excruciating pain any man has ever suffered. He suffered because he loved you and he loved me. The Bible tells us he despised the shame. He was able to endure the cross. How would he do that? He looked forward to the joy that was set before him. Jesus Christ focused on the millions of people who would have their sins forgiven and would spend an eternity with him in heaven. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And perhaps you have a family member you're concerned about. Perhaps there's a problem in your home that needs to be resolved. Perhaps you fear going to the mailbox because there might be another bill you just are not able to pay. No matter what your situation, no matter what burden you bear, there is joy for you. The psalmist said in Psalm 30 and verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. You might be experiencing the darkest night of your life. Your strength may be faint, your hope may be dim, but hold on. The dawn is coming. For each new day brings a new beginning, and his joy is always available. Thirdly, the completeness of his joy. Now, here in this verse... Of John 11, it says that your joy might be full. Now this is an exciting statement. These things have I spoken unto you that 
my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. The Lord gives us an undeniable promise. Not only can our joy remain constant, but it can be full. I think everyone likes to be full. You don't like to go hungry, do you? I mean, if you go to a restaurant and you say, boy, that wasn't much. No, you want to go and you want your, your appetite to be satisfied. Uh, if you go to the gas station, I know it's getting harder to go to the gas station and fill up clear to the top, but you'd prefer that, wouldn't you? Have a full tank of gas. It's the same with the Christian life. God intends for our lives to be full of joy. Uh, Jesus wants us to be so filled with his joy that when the devil brings his plate of temptation our way, you can say, no way, I'm, I'm full. I don't need any more. I don't need what you have to offer. I'm full of the love of God and the teachings of his word. I cannot accept what you're offering. And that's what the Bible means when it says the joy of the Lord is your strength in Nehemiah 8.10. And then Christ's joy exceeds sin's thrills. Christ's joy exceeds sin's thrills. We talk about joy, uh, might, that our joy might be full. Well, Christ's joy exceeds sin's thrills. The pleasure of abiding in relationship with Christ is unlike anything this world has to offer. Uh, the world has all kinds of, of, of things that they're offering to try to make people happy and to enjoy life. Amusement parks and ball games. What happens when the ball game is over? What happens when you go home from the amusement? Uh, it's, see, those things are temporary. They don't last. But when the fun is over, only a feeling of emptiness remains. Jesus promises that even when the fun, so to speak, is over, we can still have joy. Psalm 1611, the psalmist said, In thy presence is the fullness of joy. And when we're in the presence of the Lord, gathering around his word, I believe there's fullness of joy. I wonder uh, this evening, are you happy in the Lord? Do you have the joy of the Lord as your strength? Or are you sitting at, the, at Satan's dining table? You're filled with the world's cares and philosophies. You cannot be filled with the joy of the Lord. Is the Christian life a pleasure to you? You are not experiencing joy. You're not abiding in Christ. But when you abide in him, remain in him. That's what the word abide means. Remember we, we talked that, about that at the very beginning. Abiding means remaining. Living out his word. We can experience full, abundant joy. And when Jesus invites us to abide in him, he invites us into a relationship of delight, not a system of duty. Simply put, an abiding Christian is a joyful Christian. Jesus intends our daily walk with him to be, bring great pleasure and rejoice in, rejoicing into our lives in spite of life's hardships and unpredictable circumstances. Again, the happiness of this world is fleeting and it's temporary, but the joy of the Lord is abundant and eternal. His desires to, he desires to fill you with his joy if you abide in him, abide in his word, and obey his commandments.
Abiding in Christ and obeying his word is the only certain path to true joy. We need to hear the word, we need to respond to the word, and you'll find it constant and complete for your heart, whatever your heart is longing for. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word tonight. We pray, Lord, these few uh, points concerning John 15:11 will be an encouragement to each one's heart tonight who's in, in the sound of my voice. We pray, Lord, that uh, we will enjoy life because we have a lasting, abiding relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. May our lives be full of your joy. Thank you for this time together, and we pray these things in Jesus' name.